Welcome to episode two of Unfiltered. I'm Ken Minster, and I'll be sitting down with Nevada's Republican state legislators to provide an unfiltered view of their work in the 81st legislative session in Carson City. I had the honor to speak with Assemblywoman Heidi Kasama, a community leader who is passionate about minimizing the unintended consequences that come with passing laws and regulations on Nevadans. Enjoy. So Assemblywoman, <laughs> Assemblywoman, thank you so much for taking some time with me. Thank you for dealing with my you know, little random technical issues. I, uh, we, we're very grateful uh, to have you representing us in Carson City. Um, and uh, I'm going to take just a few minutes of your time to, to talk with you tonight. And I, I really appreciate your time. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Tell me a little bit about your family um, and how they're how they're doing with you up in Carson City for 120 days? How are things going? Well, um, my family would say not well. <laughs> they're, they, um, as I said, they're I'm very fortunate. My my family um, likes me. They like having me around. Uh, I have a husband who loves me. I'm very very fortunate. So he misses me. Um, just the other, I, I was down there last week and he goes, it's only, we're only 25% of, of the, of the way through. I goes, I, I just don't know if I can handle this. So can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very sweet. It's very kind. He's also one of my biggest supporters. Um, my daughter, uh, works for us as well. Serena, you know her, she's 24 years old. So, um, we stole her away from, she was working with a finance company in, um, San Francisco after, graduating there and we brought her back to the family business and so we're we're very busy and so she's helping us in our uh, real estate business which is um, my main profession at this time but uh yes i have uh, my two daughters uh, my older daughter is blessed me with two grandchildren who are just so oh. cute and love them and then i have three um stepdaughters as well so it's a yours mine and our family uh, peter had black hair when i met him but it's completely gray now <laughs> from all the girls so <laughs> I was going to say, that's what, that's what having daughters does to you. Um, yes. Yes, absolutely. And uh, Serena is an absolute bright spot um, in, in our movement in Nevada. It's, it is, it's been, it was wonderful to work with her and hope we, we can work together again. And so, uh, so I, they miss you. That's a good thing. Uh, the yes. other, the bad thing is they miss you, you know, so. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> well, that's good. Oh, well, absolutely. we. Yeah, we're we're glad to have you up there, and uh, you know it's it's a it's a short session, but also the longest session because it's your first one. Um, and so, can you tell me a little bit about your profession? What what brought you as you know the former president of the Las Vegas Realtors to to run for office, run for assembly in Nevada? Well, my my profession started way back when I was a CPA for twenty some years. That's how Peter and I both met. We were both CPAs and. I used to do audits and tax returns and uh, yeah, corporate taxes, uh, audits of state institutions, educational, uh, higher education, uh, as well as women's abuse shelters, uh, health and welfare organizations, uh, smaller uh, businesses. So a great background. I have a Bachelor of Science in Accounting. And so, you know, that's really where I kind of started. And then we started um, with real estate, assisting our clients through our CPA practice. And then I got my real estate license. So did Peter. We started helping our, our clients with that kind of part time and then eventually sold our practice and ended up moving to Las Vegas from um, Seattle, which was very wet in the winter. Uh, Peter likes to play golf. So he's like, this is not going to work after we sold the CPA. When we were CPAs, we sat inside all winter doing taxes and audits. And then we finally... <laughs> Sold it. He's like, this is not working. And so we ended up moving to Las Vegas. Um, I was a little hesitant 
to move to Nevada. I'm obviously a cheerleader for Nevada now. I think it's one of the best kept secrets. I think it's an incredible state. We have so many things to offer. Our state is so varied. We have more mountain ranges than any other state in the in the U.S. And, and we're mineral rich. We're the number one gold producer in the world. We have really great climate, a few hot months in Las Vegas, but overall we really have tremendous weather. And I, I've just come to love, love, um, love our, our place, our Las Vegas and our, and our state of Nevada. And so I jumped into real estate here and owned my own brokerage for a while and then uh, merged that with Prudential, which became Berkshire Hathaway. I'm now the managing broker for Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate in Summerlin. I manage 230 agents, so I have a large office. So I'm used to a lot of um, problems, issues, uh, uh, you know, a larger organization. And, and through um, working in real estate, uh, the realtors um, suggested I, with my experience, start on the finance committee. And I said, no, I didn't have time. And I started on the finance committee and then they said, you should run for the board of directors. And I said, no, I don't have time. And then I did that. And so eventually I became president for the Las Vegas realtors. And then I ran for um, the state and became state president for Nevada realtors for the entire state, which is about an 18,000 member organization. So that's a large organization to deal with policy, which is what we're doing here. Um, I was on the legislative committee for the realtors looking at bills that affect realtors was pretty concerned about some of the bills that I saw because I thought um, a lot of unintended consequences come out of bad legislation. And I think we have to make sure that we um, take time to view that, um, have our voices be heard. And eventually the suggestion was that I should run. And uh, I said, no, that I don't want to do that because that's a dumb idea. <laughs> and then eventually, uh, I seemed I was talked into it and, and I ran and here I am. And so my goal is, you know, the concern I started with is to, to pass meaningful legislation that doesn't have unintended consequences, that is actually um, not uh, politically motivated, but is motivated for the citizens of the state of Nevada, that does the right thing and has the best impact um, and that um, does it as efficiently as possible. And that is my goal sitting up here to look for that type of legislation, support that legislation and pass that type of legislation. What a year that you decided to become assemblywoman. Uh, <laughs> what, what a session uh, to have as your first session. Uh, it's incredible, but you, you have such a, a long you know history of, uh, of, of leading these organizations and you know finding that that pathway to, you know, meaningful solutions. I, I, I believe you're, you know, you'd be, you're well fitted uh, for such an odd, uh, odd legislative session. We're, we're so glad, uh, glad you're up there. Um, what uh, are, are you, are you focused on, on housing issues? Is that, is that too cliche to ask the president of the Realtors Association to ask you about housing issues right now? Or what, oh, what is your number one priority? Well, um, you know, I have um, several bills uh, that I'm working on and, and some that, um, and, and they're not just related to housing. I'm, I'm concerned about uh, some of the housing bills that have been uh, brought forward by other legislators. Um, the one, what the, I would say the only housing bill I have was um, in the last legislative session, SB1, had 
Um, it was it was hastily done during a special session to bring about an eviction mediation program. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've talked to some of the judges and uh, again, I think perhaps well intentioned, but here you have the unintended consequences again. And so one judge said she even testified, but um, it didn't seem to go anywhere that we already have um, we already have processes in place. If you feel the eviction is not correct, it hasn't been filed correct. You can go all you can go and request a hearing. You can go before the judge. They will delay it. We already had processes in place. Um, I believe that this adds extra work and extra layer that is difficult on the court system. Sure. And so it plugs it up so that the 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 courts can't even process all the things and process them well. Now they have extra layers. I think that's an unintended consequence. Is we already had processes in, in place to protect those that wanted to request more time or felt something in the eviction. So, mm -hmm. so I just have um, a bill to just sunset that. Um, mm -hmm. There was provisions for it to be sunsetted when the um, CARES, CARES money ran out or for it to be sunsetted. So all I'm saying is let's sunset it, work with the system that we already have. So yeah. that's the only one that I have uh, brought forward. One of the other bills um, I brought forward was uh, working in conjunction with Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance is to um, promote economic development. We have certainly seen during COVID, um, we see the difference, I believe, between Northern Nevada and Southern Nevada, where the diversification in Northern Nevada has really helped the economy up here, yes. weather the storm much better than again, um, Southern Nevada, which is still highly dependent on the tourism industry. We went through it 10 years ago during the Great Recession, and we're right back having the same unemployment, um, distress in our communities. And so working with them, you know, their goal already is to promote economic development. We have the Governor's Office of Economic Development. Um, that's another great office that is working to do that as well. So this bill is to look at some improvements to those areas to increase funding because, again, even though funding is tight, if we don't diversify, we will continue to have this cycle. So we can't just say we need to diversify. We need to support doing that as well. And um, so that's one, one of the points of my bill, as well as allowing some flexibility in the bill so that we can bring in more businesses that are looking for different ways to that the state of Nevada would be a right fit for them. So allowing for some flexibility with that. So that's a bill that uh, I'm that's excited wonderful. about. Yeah, that, that's a good one. The other one, just like any citizen, I'm looking around going, why don't we have more doctors and why don't we have more care? And I think um, part of that is uh, policy driven. Part of that is driven by, I would say, our explosive population growth over the last 10 to 15 years. But I believe that we've put some perhaps roadblocks or hindrances into bringing the doctors in and supporting them. It's great news to see that UNLV School of Medicine just got accredited. That's our second accredited state university for medical, which is great. But how do we bring our brightest and best back? So this bill is to look at how can we incentivize, because we have to face it, we don't have the big um, medical centers. We're not MD Anderson in Texas. We don't have scripts in California. So if you're the brightest and best, why aren't you gonna go to those locations? And they continue to go there and fill those. 
but what can we do as the state of Nevada? So we need to incentivize them. So my, my bill is looking at, even if your, um, you know, part of your residency program happens to be at one of those great places, let's give you a stipend or a fellowship to let you stay there and get the best training, but then bring you back. So it will right. have ties to it that get that training because we need that training, bring it back here to Nevada. And, and we will help, you know, uh, fund you with fellowships while you're there, but it is tied to your coming back to the great state of Nevada. And then also for people that come here and, and open up a practice here and, you know, there's certain parameters you, you practice for several years here, then we will work on forgiving your, your student loan debts. And so yeah. how can we incentivize to bring people here? I've been speaking to the uh, the dean of the UNLV School of Medicine, as well as the dean of UNR School of Medicine, and working with them to uh, fine-tune this bill a little bit that will be coming out. And so I'm very excited about that because that's something people are excited about. Um, I'm kind of looking at it from a 30,000-foot level. I, I do not have a medical background. I'm looking at it from a citizen standpoint. Why don't we have that and what can we do? And I just started calling people. So that that's incredible. What a, what a novel idea to ask the people on the ground instead of, you know, making it up in your head. Yeah. Uh, I wish more legislators would do that. What is, is it more that um, we're losing them at the residency position? Is there not enough residency positions in Nevada? Is that why they're leaving? Or is it that they're not coming to UNLV School of Medicine or UNR first? And, and we don't we don't have enough residency. OK, it's, it's the residency. So, and so we're kind of, you know, UNLV um, School of Medicine just got accredited. So we didn't have a program that was accredited. Right. And so we just don't have enough residency programs. Mm. We need far more doctors than we have the residency programs. So um, I think past legislation has said that you had to be a resident here. Right. Um, to get some of these benefits. And so I'm talking to the people that know and they go, we can't we can't fill the need because we don't have enough residency programs. So right. why are we penalizing people? And we don't have enough of the specialty programs, whether it's neurosurgery or whatever it might be. We don't have enough of those specialty programs here. So let's not say you have to do that when we don't even have it here in the state yet. Right. To, so to even can, keep you. Mm -hmm. How can we bring the brightest and best back? So let, let them get great training. Let them come back here. And so I thought that was just a great idea. Let's promote that. Let's let's bring that yeah. here and uh, bring them here. And of course, there is, you know, there are ties that you have to come here. Um, otherwise, you have to pay it back. And so, right. you right. know, uh, you know, just having, you know, parameters in there on, on the best way to promote this. So excited about that. And, and that's something that, again, helps our entire state and all of our citizens. Well, those all of those sound like excellent legislation, um, and 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 that that seem like you know they're they're accounting for unintended consequences. I love that that is a a theme of yours because there's there's a lot of well-meaning legislation, but Absolutely. it's the unintended consequences. So that's that's wonderful. You know, it, um, it reminds me. I remember in, in my real estate office, I asked. I had a meeting, and I said what would everybody like to make this office better? And they all said free iPads. And I said, well, that's not happening. You know, and so, you know, it, sometimes it's the same thing. We can have yeah. a wish list of everything we want to yes. provide to everybody, but we have to understand we can't do that. So what is, what is the, how can we provide the best to our citizens most efficiently with, with the funds that we have? That's wonderful. Those are, those are great bills. And, and, Assemblywoman, I, my biggest thing is, though, and I, I've said this in previous interviews, I, I don't think regular rank and file 
Republicans, and it's not just about Republicans, I don't think they know what's going on in, in Carson City to be able to know how they can help. How, how can we help you get these passed? Is there, are there hearing, do you have any hearings scheduled that we could, you know, put in, uh, you know, our opinions on or, or things like that? Or will there be uh, in the future? How can we help you in Southern Nevada while you're up in Carson City to forward that agenda? So thank you for asking that question. That is such a great question. And, you know, before you had to come up to the building to testify or to sit in one of our committee rooms to hear a hearing, but you can, you can zoom on or whatever the, the program is, but you can zoom on um, to hear the hearings. You can, you can um, register yourself as a person that wants to make a comment that has something to say about it. And that is one of the most important things you can do, because if you go to, and you could probably add this, this Ken, to the Nevada Legislative um, website and the Nellis um, uh, section of that, there, there's a section there that says, you know, links to participate in the meetings. And what we really need is you participating in the meetings. We have 42 assembly people and 21 senators, 63 people in the entire state of Nevada decide the laws that will run your life. It's a huge responsibility. And I think, you know, when I'm up here and I see some of the things that go on, your, your state laws, probably other than state income taxes coming from, a, <laughs> federal income taxes coming from a CPA, other than federal income taxes, your state laws have a greater impact on your life than the federal laws. They're regulating how health is done in the state. They're regulating how businesses are licensed, how businesses can operate. They're regulating so much, the trucking, everything. You think about it, how much is regulated by state regulation? You must be part of the process. Contact your assembly people. If you think these are good bills, testify. Say, this is a good bill because I can tell you the legislators We'll hear if they have hundreds of people saying this is a good bill or hundreds of people saying this is a bad bill. We hope that those legislators would listen, listen to that voice of the constituents um, calling them up. So that is a very important process to be part of the process. And you can now from Las Vegas or from Ely or from Elko or from Reno, you don't have to drive up here to testify you can be part of that process. So please look into that. And, and I think that that would be incredibly um, helpful for all of us. I love it. Well, I, I hope you'll keep me in the loop. If if there's a, a hearing or, or somewhere where you need our support to please let me know, I'll get it out to the people that I know and, and make sure that they're there to support you and uh, in, in the bill. And especially in these, you know, in these committees where we are not in the majority uh, to have those voices to back you up. Um, Absolutely. We'd love Absolutely. to do that. Because otherwise, um, we're just going to have so much bad legislation um, put forth that um, will affect your life. And so I will give you the information when I, I need my, my, my uh, constituents. Need the help. Absolutely. Yes, need the help. Need, need the, the help. help. The assembly released their, their list of priorities. What is, you know, I know we want to see all of those priorities. I know we want to see all of your bills passed, but what is your main focus uh, of, of things that when people are like, you know, this assembly one's working for this. What is your top priority, knowing that we're, you know, a third of the way through session that you want to either get done or get stopped uh, while you're up there this year? 
So the Republican caucus, as you know, has come out with multiple priorities, but I can say that the, the two that I think are critically important is election reform. <laughs> and so when you have a citizenry that doesn't feel comfortable that their vote is being counted or their vote that is being counted is lost because of a fraudulent vote on the other side, so their vote is negated. When you have people not trusting the system, that is a basic, basic tenet of the United States is that people can go to the polls and vote. Their vote has meaning and it will be counted correctly. And so I think that that is critically important that we have election reform. Now, let's let's be let's be realistic here. Is is the current democratic majority going to have election reform that reverses some of the things that they passed during the special session? No, they're in the majority and I think right. I think we can talk about sound points and we can do all this and we sure. can bluster and say I want all this, but what's what's the reality of what we can get done? So, um, you, you know, what I did, I this is how I think. What can I do? that can get passed? What can I do that can make a change? So again, where do I start? I called the Secretary of State's office and I said, hey, can you just explain the process to me? What is working right? What is not working? And what are things that we can do to help improve the system that everybody can agree on? Right. And so I have a bill uh, regarding election reform that I work with the Secretary of State State's office. And one of the things that we have is each county clerk needs to um, clean up the voter registration polls 90 days before an election. They need to have the names removed that are no longer um, registered voters. And so um, it sounds like um, perhaps that isn't consistently being done. So my legislation is to, because what I find out is it's, you know, it's not the Secretary of State, it's the counties that run it. And each county right. seems to be running it just a little bit different. So from my background in business, I'm like, well, why is that happening? <laughs> what, can we, what can we do to yeah. make this consistent and better so that we have good elections? And so my bill is simply to say that um, not only um, is that supposed to be done, you have to sign an affidavit that it's being done. And if you don't do it from each county, it will be posted on the Secretary of State's website. And then also that other state agencies must work with the Secretary of State to provide information that helps them keep the voter records. You know, let's say the Department of Motor Vehicles must cooperate with the Secretary of State. Simple common sense solutions that help make it better. And that I believe everybody should be able to support that and vote for that no matter what party, because that is actually just tying up things that are supposed to be being done in our statute and having agencies talk to each other to clean up those, those voter records. So I'm excited about that too, because I believe I can garner bipartisan support for that. And if you don't do that, you're not gonna get anything done. And so I'm here to do something and accomplish something, not just um, have sound bites. And so that is one of the bills that I have as well. I also do strongly believe that um, when it comes to the emergency powers of the governor, um, I believe that there should be time limits on it. And I believe that the governor should be working with the other branches. Um, coming back to the legislature, to say, you know, after so many days that this becomes something we all work on together. And I believe we're going on over a year. That is not an emergency anymore. It's a way of life. And yes. so to have that much uh, power in the executive office, I completely disagree with. And I think that needs to be worked on. 
I think those are both sensible. Um, and, you know, assembly women to go back to, to, you know, voter elections reform, you know, we don't have to go down, you know, the, the, the bad path that, you know, some people go down that, Oh my gosh, it's all this, you know, crazy conspiracy. It's not, it's, it's about protecting the right to vote. It's about instilling confidence. I want zero people disenfranchised. I want every person in Nevada to be able to cast their vote and to trust the system. I don't care whether you're in the inner city, you're in the rural counties, wherever you are, I want your vote to count. I feel like that's, there's a lot of people that just disregard that and say, oh, well, you know, here's why they're doing it. They're, you know, they're candidate law. So it has nothing, it's nothing to do with even, it has part to do with 2020, but it's about the future. And I feel mm -hmm. like people have lost that confidence uh, in the system. I believe, and I hope, I hope I we believe do that. people have lost trust in the system. Yeah. And we as legislators, I believe it's, it's, it's strongly imposed on us to bring that trust back and to work. And all of us should be working to bring that back. It is. And the emergency powers of the governor is very tied to that. To me, I feel like people are like, oh, well, the governor tells us what to do. And that's, it should not be be like that. And and mm -hmm. I don't want to tie his hands in an emergency or his or her, you know, whoever the gov governor may be, you know, not won't be Governor Sisolaka for forever. That if a Republican governor were in charge, I, I wouldn't well, want absolutely. them to have. Right. It's absolutely. Even if it's a Republican governor, you know, exactly. it's, it's 30 to 60 days is probably reasonable for an emergency. And after that, you come back yes. to the legislature legislature and you have everybody working on it together. You have yes. more minds working on this and more responsibilities spread around too. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, it's accountability to you too. I'm, I, you know, it's all on the governor's shoulders. We don't want that, you know, help. Mm -hmm. We'll take some of that if you let us, you know, help you. So yeah, absolutely. those are great. I, I, I support you uh, uh, strongly on both of those points. And so um, I, I have one more small question and, and, and then we'll get out of here. So first off, what, when you, you hate you or excuse me, assembly woman. You're you're a, you're a Republican. Why are you a Republican? Um, how how did you come to that? Why you know what made you become a Republican, and why did you run as a Republican? What what are your core values that that tie you to that? And I know not everybody's tied completely to a party, but 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 it tells you a little bit about your your values. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So, so the main reason is, is I believe, um, you know, in, in some of the basic tenets of the Republican platform, which is um, individual freedom, limited government. And, you know, I think when we look at what we've gone through with the COVID virus now, is that when our economies fail, our systems start to fail, we have more people in poverty, we have more issues. And, and that's why I believe in, in less regulation and less taxes. And I also, I also understand the need for, you know, that we, we um, protect citizens. That's why we have some regulations, but not over-regulation. You know, we have a speed limit on the freeway, it's to protect lives but we have to make sure our freeways are working in order and everybody's got to pay their fair share to have the, the freeways working in order. Sure. But then, but then we have to allow commerce to take place. And, you know, it's so interesting when the, when the economy is robust and functioning well, all the issues we're trying to fix, they start to go away. And so we have people with money that can afford a rental, that can afford a house yes. that are not, um, worried where their food is going to come from. And so that's why I'm a big believer in making sure that we, we promote um, our businesses, we promote entrepreneurship. Nevada has been 
such a great state for attracting and promoting entrepreneurs. That's the state that I moved to. I want to make sure that that's the state that we keep because I think we're stronger for it. I believe we are a, a light in the Western United States for how we are running and how we bring businesses in here and promote them. And, and we want to foster healthy communities. And we want to reach out a helping hand to those that need it in our communities. Yes. Absolutely. But how do, we, how do we do this in a meaningful way that we don't that we don't quench the engine of our entrepreneurs that that help our economies to be robust and, and help our citizens and that's a big reason why um, I'm a Republican because I believe that those are the tenets that we we stand for. I, I that's that's wonderful and I I love your freeway example because there are those people that want the speed limit to be zero on the freeway uh, because it's just safe. And, and we, that's not how the, the world works. We, you know, the economy is based on growth and obviously regulated growth, right? We want to keep, you know, keep the system working for those that need help. Uh, but, you know, the freeway, you know, it needs a speed limit, but, you know, I feel like those to the left of us many times that speed limit, they want that to be as zero or five. Uh, and we want that to continue to thrive. And especially amid a pandemic, I, I don't, I don't advocate for, you know, complete opening up the first day of the pandemic. You know, we needed to learn a little bit about the virus and grow, but we also needed to keep businesses open. We need to keep people employed. We need to allow small businesses to to thrive. The big businesses can survive. It's the small guys that are trying to, you know, survive amidst this overregulation. It's your, so. it's your local restaurant that... Right. How can they survive on 25% occupancy? They can't. And you see them closing down and many of them will not be able to open up again. And now we exactly. have a vacant place in a retail center that who's going to open up that space? And it becomes a cycle. And so we have to open it more, use safe measures, yes. but we've got to get our economy moving forward and open. So um, I want to see that happen. I agree. Wonderful. Uh, lastly, what are what are you reading right now? I know you're reading bills and you're you know FaceTiming your family back home, but uh, you know on on the flights home or or things like that. Are you watching any TV? Are you are you reading any books uh, that that are interesting to you? So um, actually, I'm reading uh, Nikki Haley. Um, with all due respect, I don't know if you've read um, that book. So it's very interesting I'm because she um, came from. Um, you know, humble beginnings as well. I did. My, my parents were immigrants. They didn't speak English. I didn't learn English till I went to public school wow. uh, in, in kindergarten. And so I'm, I'm an immigrant family as well. And so is she. So it's just very interesting for me to read her, her story. And then um, we're, we're starting as a family to watch the age of samurai, um, the mm. battle for Japan which is a feudal, uh, it's a Netflix program uh, regarding the 16th century feudal Japan. So it's just kind of wow. very interesting since my husband's from Japan, my daughter has studied over there. Wow. So we're, we're going to start watching that as a family. So we enjoy that kind of history and, uh, you know, a little, a little battle and war in there too. So I love that. I love that. Well, I hope, uh, I hope you guys will get uh, time to do that. Uh, maybe you can share screens uh, while you're in Carson city with them to be able to do that. But uh, I, I, I very much appreciate your time. Thank you for fighting for us in Carson city. And, uh, and we'll, we'll check in with you hopefully before uh, the end of session and hopefully we'll be able to support you in, uh, in what you're doing up there. Wonderful. Good seeing you again, Ken. Thanks assemblywoman. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye -bye.